Sarah Zarr, and you are listening to This Creative Life. Find out more about this podcast and the episode notes at our new-ish home at thiscreativelife.substack.com, where you can also learn about the special annotated Courageous Creativity audio I'm making for subscribers. But also, I want to note that you don't ever have to go to any website or get any emails to enjoy this podcast. (laughs) You do not have to sign up for the even the free This Creative Life email list. You do not have to do any of that. Uh, The best thing about signing up is that you'll get an email when there's a new episode. But if you don't like getting emails, you can just set whatever your podcast app is to alert you when there's a new episode. And really all of the quote unquote show notes are in the episode info that you can see in your apps. Um, So if you just want to do it that way, and then you'll just be totally free of emails. And I am all for that. Um, My guest today is Dave Connis. And if you recognize that name from being a listener of this podcast, it's because he is the legendary composer of the This Creative Life theme music. Dave is not only a songwriter and musician with a couple of albums, He's also the author of at least two novels for young adults, and he's got a picture book on the way. Welcome, Dave Connis. Hi. Yes, is... I have at least two, <laughs> at least two books. No fewer than. <laughs> no two fewer books than. for young adults. Um, <laughs> it's been way too long. Every time I, I give you a shout out in the podcast for the theme music, I'm always like, I gotta have Dave on. I gotta have Dave on. And I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen. Yes, after um, I bailed on you, bailed on you one well, time. Well, we can talk about that because that was a day job thing. And I want to talk about day jobs because it's something I think about a lot and I yes. often wish I had. <laughs> yeah. So how are you? We were chatting a little bit before we started recording, but what's the short version of how you're doing? The TLDR. The TLDR is I am doing... Well, um, we, I think at this point, um, I've been working out of the house for since March, so almost a year. Holy cow. You know, when the pandemic hit and I kind of switched to not being in an office, I feel like there's a huge learning curve (laughs) being home with three tiny humans. You have tiny, yeah, you have, I always think it's like five because when someone has more than more than two i'm just like it's too many that's it's a lot too many <laughs> it feels like t- it feels like five at times but you know, i have three my oldest is about to turn five um and then my middle is a few months away from turning three and then the youngest is 10 months old so we had a pandemic baby oh my goodness um which i do not recommend um if you're considering children do it you know, <laughs> at least a year before <laughs> a national emergency <clears throat> or a worldwide emergency. That's a great tip. Yep. So that's pro tip number one. So, yeah. So there's a big learning curve of like, how do we do any of this? Um, but I feel like at this point, I think we've kind of got a rhythm down. I mean, you still got the hard, like, I feel like every freaking day is like an 80,000 year long, like discussion about logistics. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Some of that's just parenting, but, uh, I feel like the 
pandemic makes it harder because like, well, what are we going to do for school? And well, you need to be here then. And I need to be here now. And then they need to be there. And well, what if, what if, what if, and how about, and it just doesn't end. So, you know, that's a funny thing. Even if you don't have kids as I do not, that's also so much of what marriage is. And when I'm yeah. feeling burnt out on marriage or complaining about marriage, it's got nothing to do with like the deep relational stuff or any it's like disconnection. Logistics. It's just like <laughs> just the constant announcing like, yes. I'm going to go get a bowl of soup out of the kitchen yes. or I'm just going to step into the bathroom. Like, why do we keep announcing every move we're making to our spouse? But then, you know, you're just heading off other conversations. It's exhausting. Yeah, we've I had can't to like that multiplied by children. Yes, we've had to make a rule like when we try and go on like dates. Um, <laughs> it's like no logistics are allowed. You, we cannot bring them up. We have to talk about something other than that. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's been hard. a good rule. It doesn't that work sometimes. Yeah, kind of, kind of like don't get mad. We have another rule like don't get mad at anything I say before 9 a.m. and <laughs> after 9 p.m. I think that's also fair. Usually I'm the one that stops myself. It, for me, it's more like 4 p.m. Honestly, it's like my cutoff. <laughs> and I'm just after, like, you know what? I'm tired. My brain after, is done. <laughs> after the second cup of coffee that I have at two o'clock, that is when it's done. It's the end. That is the my end. brain cutoff. So yep. where where are you guys for listeners to orient you? You're in the southeastern United States. Yes. You don't have I'm to in, tell your exact location if you don't want. I am in uh, north North Georgia. Um, I mean, I'm only like an hour and 45 minutes. It's practically Tennessee. I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee, eight minutes from the border of Tennessee. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are getting through. Um, Yes, we are. And I first met you a long, long time ago um, before your debut novel came out through a kind of arts and faith connection. Um, And I don't remember exactly what it was, but you were like a young person with no children. I was. (laughs) What were you like, 19 or something? Holy cow. I don't even, I can't even remember because time doesn't exist in my brain even before the pandemic. But yeah, I, so this is, the story is I was the general manager at a like small inn for um, Covenant College, which is like a tiny liberal arts college up on Lookout Mountain, Georgia. And Jeffrey Overstreet was the something or rather in residence. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say like writer, probably something. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but he was staying at the the place that I was managing. Poor guy, because those things were not great. And I ran into him in the lobby while I was putting some packets out for new guests and we got talking. And then I told him that I was a young adult author. Um, And he was like, oh, I know a young adult author, um, Sarah Zar. And I was like, oh, cool. I should email her and say hello and that I met you. And he's like, yeah, you should do that. And then I did. And then here we are. (laughs) <laughs> that yes, that we skipped over a bunch, but that's that's there was good, nothing else in between. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely uh, nothing. And you, at that time, you were doing a lot of stuff with music, and one of the yeah. things you were doing was writing songs inspired by 
different YA novels. Yeah, what a um, time that was. Yeah. How did you get started on that little project? Um, I liked music and I liked YA novels. So I was like, why don't I combine them? And um, they did really well because I think like authors really liked it. And oh yeah, it's great for authors, our egos. Sure. Yeah. Like <laughs> anything, for, anything at all that touches an author like, ego. As oh, you know, this is it's... about something I've created. Sweet. <laughs> um, so if they just worked really well and I had a lot of fun doing them, so the time was worth kind of the investment. And, um, well, and you're, the thing is you're, you're good. So it, <laughs> well. like, I think that's another reason authors like them because you, <laughs> you know, you can get a message like that and be like, Oh, I wrote a song based on your novel. You're like, okay. And then like one person in a bathroom and like an Um, attitude guitar. In fact, I wonder, I might be able to drop in a little snippet from the song you wrote inspired by my book, Uh, how to save a life, which I love. I still love it too. I'm going to, I'm going to find it on my computer and drop it in. Gotta try a little tenderness. Sometimes you gotta let go You can't measure life in weeks and days But you can stick a glass out in the rain Because I'm really proud of all those songs. It was a good crop. I, I agree. And then was that happening like at the same time that you started writing? Kind of give us the rundown on how you started channeling that creative energy into novels. Yeah. So it was, um, that job that I was working before the GM position for the end, basically it required being around for calls. So there were weeks where I just needed to be there. Work didn't necessarily need to be done. I just needed to be around in case there was a call. So, um, I had a lot of flexibility in that because I was on site and we lived on site. So what I ended up doing is basically working nine to five on creative stuff. And I absolutely loved it. And like, that's the goal to get back to for me. (laughs) Um, That's just always been the dream in my head to get back to that spot. But I just separated my time like on Mondays from nine to 12, I'll write some music and do some video stuff. And then from one to five, I'll write a book. Um, and you know, just did, was really disciplined with how I did that. And, uh, it was awesome. (laughs) Oh man, it was so great. And I look like I had such angst about that time. You did when I was in it. I know. (laughs) Do you look back at it now and be like, Oh, you, you didn't even have three children yet. (laughs) I really do. I really do. I miss it. And there was so low pressure too. like, there wasn't, there wasn't all of these other things that were, um, attached to time that are attached to my time now. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And like, that's always been the like utopia that I've longed to get back to. (laughs) Um, well, but but yeah, I mean, does it, (laughs) it doesn't work that way. And I think, I think you can get, that sounded too negative, but <laughs> oh, that's true. sweet, Dave. You won't. <laughs> so, we, next question. <laughs> we don't have a time machine, and like y- the feeling of being young and new at something is especially something difficult to recapture. But what I'm experiencing as a wise old person who's like 
almost twice your age. As I'm getting into 50, um, it's coming back a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's a long, like midlife full of a lot of angst and busyness and different kinds of expectations. And then at a certain point, you just start really reckoning with your mortality and then you accept that. And then you're like a free young person again. What happens if I've been reckoning with my mortality for like five years and I'm only 30. (laughs) Well, maybe you're a little ahead then. Maybe maybe your second adolescence in a good way will start in your forties, not in a bad way. Yeah, I have a plan. I do have a plan that might, I mean, of course, like what are plans even? Um, But like, I've been trying to plan towards getting back to full-time creative stuff, but it's going to take like five, (laughs) five years. So I don't know. We'll see if it is, if it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. And if not, I'll just keep creating in the margins and that's and it, on a, it comes great. and goes like there's different seasons for that, too, I think. And as long as I've known you, you've you've always had some kind of job that was a paycheck, at least, yep. which I think is an important thing for aspiring and even or maybe especially working writers to hear it's normal more often than not to need a source Mm -hmm. of income in addition to writing. (laughs) 100%. And it's, it's a little strange and misleading that we, that we've in many corners of this world that we're in elevated the idea of quote unquote writing full time when it's really, it's a really rare circumstance and it's not necessarily good for your writing and creativity. Uh, I speak yeah. as <laughs> I speak as How someone do you who's, know been, this, who's Sarah? been worried a lot about my <laughs> like being out of the job market so long and just like mm. could I even get a job now? Um, and I wish I'd stayed in it a little more or started going back to school recently. Uh, I mean, more like more recently than last year. <laughs> uh, not that I have gone back, but just, you know, I think a good time to have gone back to school would have been like around when I got my first book contract and I had like some time and money cushion. Yep. That would have been a good time to learn a trade. That's such a funny, that's like opposite of what you think, right? Though, like the, it is, yeah. When, in the time you're just like, yeah, first book contract, I'm awesome. Here, hello, <laughs> rest of my life. Um, and then, alas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't, you just don't know. It does work out for some people, but like we said, more often than not, it's more normal to be in a situation like you're in or in a part-time deal or whatever the thing is. Um, especially if you've got nine children, (laughs) um, your, your first published book, the temptation of Adam, was that the first book that you wrote? Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, that was my, well, that's not true. That's, it's somewhat true. It was my first young adult book before then. Well, no, that's not true either. Okay. So no, stop (laughs) lying. Sorry. And you stop lying for one second. I can't apparently. Um, so no, it was not the first book I wrote before then. I think I wrote at least nine books. Um, you were maybe moving a little too quickly. You're saying <laughs> I was, I was moving very fast. Well, I had no kids. I didn't have, t- uh, like 12 kids. Um, <laughs> and I was working a part-time or a job that let me basically do whatever during the day. And um, so I, and I just like, 
if I can keep my brain in it, which I was able to do at that point, like I would go to bed knowing what I needed to do plot wise, character wise, edit wise, whatever, and then go to bed without having to deal with anything else and then wake up and like not having to deal with anything else. It was right there. So it was just so easy for me to be like, boop, boop. All right. A, B. Um, So I just went through it fast. Um, And I think ironically, I think I got, I mean, not known worldwide, but like within a small (laughs) circle of friends and uh, like small circle of authors, I think people were like, dude, you're prolific, which at the time I was. And now my new, (laughs) I'm, I like have switched to the other side where it's like, I am now Patrick Rothfuss and take like six books, six years to write like a chapter. Seasons so. of change. <laughs> That's not how that song goes, I don't think. Um, so 525. What, <laughs> what kind of, when you get an idea for a book, what kind of stuff like latches into your brain and you're like, I'm going to write this. <laughs> write the crap out of that. So, um, so not like, so let's forget about when you were writing a book a week or whatever, but <laughs> later as you started to refine your skills yeah. and like drill down a little more, like what kind of stuff catches your imagination? So it's like the world for me is really inspirational. Websites like Atlas Obscura that like talk about the really random things that are in the world. And then um, I've been really into just like long form nonfiction articles lately, New Yorker, Atlantic stuff. And I don't say that to be pretentious because I used to make fun of the people who were like, oh, I read an article in the New Yorker the other day. (laughs) Then you Um, grew up. (laughs) And then I grew up and now I'm just like the old dude who's like, yeah, being in a chair reading The New Yorker and drinking whiskey sounds awesome. <laughs> so I am now the person that I hated. Um, it's, it's, the, but, it's the destiny for all of us. <laughs> it's everyone's destiny. So anyway, the point is, is there's just stories everywhere. And my brain is watching and observing all of those things. And there isn't really a single place that I don't get inspired from, but like, I love writing across genres. So, and reading across genres. So I just have ideas for everything lately, the way that I've tried to prioritize what I work on, because I have to be militant about it. Um, because I just only have a certain amount of time. Um, and I need to make sure that I know exactly what I'm working on. Um, and not like messing around with an idea that I'm halfway there on, um, and that's just like, I mold the idea for at least like three to six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it still is super shiny by the end of that long time period, then it's like, okay, well, I'm, I've stuck with it and thought about it for this long. So I've able, I've been able to like consider the plot and consider the characters and just consider like, do I actually want to spend the time to write this and go through the, <laughs> the emotions of mm-hmm. writing this, um, like the emotional energy, the physical energy. Um, and if it's like, uh, yeah, hell yeah, I want to do that. Then that's what I work on. This was the yeah. last person that I talked to for the podcast and something I read recently, I was rereading Ann Patchett's book on writing, which is just a little book called The Getaway Car. It's not even really a book. It's like a super long form essay about kind of everything she knows about writing. 
um, she talks a lot about that kind of writing it in her mind before mm-hmm. she starts committing it to paper that she's already done so much work on it. And I think that's a good, just like a good writing tip for people that tend to have a lot of ideas is yeah. if, if your imagination keeps returning to a particular idea and you keep adding to it and thinking about it yep. and it keeps coming back, then there's probably enough there to, yep. to make it into Sustain, a novel. Yeah. And you probably, yeah, you yeah. probably care enough about it to do it because there's lots of, when I'm in a phase where I'm getting a lot of ideas and I keep kind of a file of like books I could write. Um, but a lot of them I'll like open up the document and be like, Oh yeah, <laughs> that book. So that's probably not the idea that I'm going to work on. It's the one that's right. been like, I always am connecting it to like everything I read or watch or listen to has some connection to that idea and it feeds it and it starts to grow. Mm-hmm. And especially yeah, and if you've got thing- a limited time to actually write, like you're right. saying, like doing, that work ahead of time, like while you're driving or while you're doing dishes or whatever is kind of crucial. And the cool thing about taking the time is that as more ideas come in, you start like, and not even necessarily for the thing that you're working on, but just like in general, you start seeing connections between the idea that you're working on with this like other random thing. And then you're just like, Oh man, what if I combine these two things Mm -hmm. and it would be so random, a random combination, but at the same time, it would be really interesting to explore that. So, or it's like, like seems random, but it's literally the missing piece that you were waiting on until you could really get going. Yeah. Yeah. So like taking three different ideas that are kind of like offhand random ideas and then combining them, I feel like has been sort of my MO for most of the books that I write at this point, which I say most I've written (laughs) one over the span of five years. So like, can't really, (laughs) I can't really say most. It's enough. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) Cry in a corner now. Uh, No. This little section, I'm going to give like, this is sort of a joke and sort of not, but I'm just going to call this a content warning. And now it's going to be like Christian stuff. Um, Jesus things. (laughs) Well, hide your ears. Maybe not that specific, but uh, I mentioned at the beginning how we met through some like this arts and faith connection. And we both come from backgrounds in, let's call it the evangelical Christian church, even though there's a lot of baggage that comes with that word that may or may (laughs) not apply. Well, it kind of applies less for me because my (laughs) FedEx warehouse, (laughs) a lot of baggage. Um, That wasn't so much my growing up experience because I'm so old that I grew up like before evangelicalism, the way we talk about it now Mm -hmm. had really taken hold of the, Mm -hmm. like, I'll call it the white American non-denominational whatever Mm -hmm. church even though Mm -hmm. people say non-denominational but all these churches are in a various denominations but so non-mainline i mean just trying to define the glossary of terms anyway my point (laughs) is my point is um the backgrounds that we have were part of like just made us want to integrate something about our faith experience or worldview into our work, but at the same time, not like right for a quote unquote Christian market or a Christian Mm. subculture. You know, we wanted our books to be 
mainstream again not the best word but um <laughs> secular i don't know uh worldly <laughs> is a word that we used for, in the 80s <laughs> yeah all the gentiles you wanted to write for the pagans um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so my my whole you know i'm i've been on a, a big journey the last 10 years and i'm in a very different place than i was when i started but uh what role has your faith background played in your work in the past mm. and where if you're comfortable talking about this where are you with all that now and is it still like a part of what pours into mm. like that act of making stories yeah so my first book temptation of adam um came out of a huge period of growth for me um relationally with how i experienced my own faith and how i how i um was jesus in the kingdom to other people in deep deep brokenness um and I'm i think nodding, you can but i but i'm also <laughs> going to acknowledge that's a sentence full of a lot of like christianese and Christian like modern things. christianese yeah. here how I mean, about i i can translate it yeah so, trans, um, translate it uh temptation of adam came out of a time where i was trying to be really nice to people who are shitheads um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and trying if only to love we could them. try to speak with such clarity in the church. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so like there, there was. I mean, it, it, even me too. Like I was also being a shithead. So you know, we were all being shitheads to each other, and um, you know, trying to love each other and show grace to each other. In that, it, it was just a really good and hard experience. So a lot of kind of what I learned about my faith in that time is a lot of what um, the main character Adams, Adams, uh, it's been a while apparently. Um, do, 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 do. <laughs> the main character Adam learns about being in community with people and how we're made for community and how we mask our pain and run from our pain at all costs. So yeah, in, in that, in that book, faith tied directly into it. My, my, my life with Jesus tied. Oh, you almost said it. your walk. <laughs> I know. And then with suggested reading, uh, there was less faith ish stuff. Um, it just wasn't as natural, but there were lots of similar themes to like, how do you have grace for people who aren't like you? Um, and how do you have mercy for somebody else? And how can you, um, not be judgmental? And so there are still ways to, for me, I think I've thought a lot about this. If I ever write another contemporary book, I think my themes are always going to be like, everybody's going through a great battle. So be kind. And mm -hmm. everybody has human dignity. And, you know, for you and me, that's like based out of like being created in the image of God. Um, but like well, everybody's got, everybody's I mean, like I said, got, I've been on a journey. So just be careful when you say like for you and me or we. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, that's absolutely <laughs> But I mean, fair. I would say that what is like left of my worldview and experience that actually has, that's one of the main things that does remain that, sure. uh, that idea that if there's some divine creative force that is predominantly loving and is responsible for our existence, then yeah, every, that applies to every sure. person yeah. at every time. Yeah. That is a very fair 
uh, warning, and I'm sorry that I inferred um, that we were both thinking the same things. But yeah, I think so. For me, yeah, for me anyway, you know, that's what that is born out of, and wanting to put that across in my work and just share that light in my work and that you know that sort of theme in my work has always been something that I've always just been drawn to. Um, I'm coming out with a picture book. <laughs> It's such a random thing. I never thought I would say, but here we are. Um, it happens. It happens. Yep. You know, picture book. I'm coming out with a picture book this year. That's basically about, you know, that we're all creating God's image. And what does that mean? So uh, specifically, what does that mean for people who are like creative and inventive and make things? And, and it's funny that- at the same time. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead and finish. I have been reading a lot of picture books in the last few years because I have tiny humans. <laughs> and I've been like, where are all the like funny picture books about faith? Like I want to like learn and like have have some good theology, but I also want to laugh. Where are these things? And then I was like, well, I'll just write one. So I did. And is that coming out with a, like a religious publisher or is that like a mainstream press? It's um, Penguin Random House's religious imprint, Waterbrook, oh, Multinoma. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's just I think it's just Waterbrook. I didn't know that they were like two separate things. I mean, I think for me, it's still regardless of where I end up on my specific beliefs or ideas about God or a theology of you know what what that is and how we live in the world Mm -hmm. definitely my work the themes you mentioned of like how do you like even people who love each other like genuinely actually love each other it's just hard to love the people we love you know there's the commandment about love your enemies but i'm always really interested in like how do you even love the people you do love (laughs) like the people (laughs) in your family the family you're Uh, born into and so so that's how freaking true comes up in my books is just that look at family, whether that's biological family or chosen family or family that just happens. But um, how, how do you do it? How do we fail each other? You know, when do you walk away and like, how do you, we were talking about boundaries before we started recording, but how do you, you know, where's the line where you're just like, I'm walking away from these people for these reasons. And that's Mm -hmm. what's best right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just all the complications where human relationships brush up against each other in those ways that are so confounding that feel like they should be easier. Yeah. Yeah. And And I'm sure your journey has (laughs) been made a lot harder the last few years. Um, I'd say fall 2016. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just to pull a date out of the air. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. I mean, that is a question that I have also struggled with. Um, How and I am still struggling with it. And I think, yeah, um, for me, I've, I've had I to wish sort I of, knew answers. Yeah. I mean, I've just sort of had to walk away from the church, which is different from like walking away from a faith. Um, yep. Yeah. Thank you listeners who aren't into that topic for staying with us. Um, or maybe you haven't. Or and maybe, that's also maybe cool. not. Maybe Thanks. You can skip to the next episode, which is fine. <laughs> um, also fine. Oh, maybe this is just a good time to also drop in this the secret 
information that we actually started collaborating on a book together that was related to all this stuff. Uh, um, yeah, too late. I said it. No. Um, the masses can't know. And that was... Bef- They'll break down our websites. Our servers will crash. <laughs> our servers are going to crash when they're searching. Where is that collaborative book? Was that still before you had your first kid? Sarah, when was this? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, um, I'm not going to... No, it was, gonna... it was before. I think it was before because we had just moved into out of that um, job, which came with a house and we were in the, in a new house. And I remember we, working you on and it your then, wife, so. not we, you and me. <laughs> no, you and me had just moved <laughs> out of. <laughs> I don't remember that time of my life. Well, you know, you have been on a journey, so your mind has been busy thinking about more important things than when we were living in that. <laughs> when we were um, living on the border of Tennessee. When we were living on Lookout Mountain. So yeah, I think it was before Asa, um, which is my first, so 2015-ish. And I still feel like when there's the perfect um, platform for a serial that never ends, <laughs> <laughs> that there could be a future for that book. I still think about that book. I, I do still too. think about it. <laughs> Which goes back to the thing we we're saying. If you keep, if the thing still lives in your imagination, don't give it up. Yep. yep. Our time will come. Um, <laughs> now this is, I think something that also might be hard to talk about in a different way, which I guess I should like mention to the audience. I never let my guests know ahead of time what we're going to talk about and what I'm going to ask them. But yeah, actually in all seriousness, I edit this out if we want to talk about it. But when I met you, when I first met you, one of the things you were finding really challenging, well, first of all, you were really young. You were in your early twenties, right? Um, And you were finding really challenging about entering the world of YA authordom and quote unquote YA community and like the whole YA thing. (laughs) Um, You were challenged by like that social aspect and maybe more specifically the social media aspect. And I think about being in my mid twenties and early twenties and how hard that would have been for me at that age. And just how you navigate these new types of relationships, because publishing relationships are um, it's a strange business. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's a it's a very personal business and books are a very intimate thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it it is a business and like people are always shifting and changing. And mm-hmm. and it's also full of a lot of young people who are having the same kind of like social development challenges that a lot of us have in our twenties. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit or like what's your relationship to social media and all that now? Have you just kind of, you're like so fully in your parenting stage that you're like, wow, why did I even care about that stuff? Or what's the deal? (laughs) Um, so I've always wanted to be, no, we can talk about that. Yeah. I, I've always wanted to be on the um, good side of Slughorn or a Slughorn <laughs> um, where, okay, What's so that? I should explain, I should explain <laughs> this in Harry Potter. There's oh, this. Oh no. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. notorious for like not knowing anything about Harry Potter. Sure. Sure. So there's this character, he's a professor um, and he like collects the people he thinks are going to be awesome, basically. 
Um, and like he has a shelf of all of his students that made it, quote unquote. This already um, sounds extremely stressful. Oh, it's <laughs> it haunts me. It freaking haunts me. So um, I have always wanted to be on a shelf like that. And some of that is my own desire to perform. If you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm a four mm-hmm. with a wing three. Oh. Um, so like I'm highly driven to... Um, be awesome. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and to have people and know have it people or tell you. Know it. Yeah. yeah. And receive it. Um, and the fact that slughorns even exist great against my being at the same time. Because um, I know deep, deep down that you shouldn't be a slughorn and that you know, your achievements aren't what makes you valuable and blah, 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 all the, the stuff. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Everyone has dignity, created in the image of God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera. yeah. everybody's made in the image of God, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, you know, you got all this. I'm, and I couldn't. I couldn't give you that TLDR when in my early 20s. There was no way. So, yeah, no, I hear you that's all years of growth, right? Being able to look at myself and say that. So, um, and I mean, I think just to like clarify a little bit, um, for anyone who doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, but I'll tell you what I experienced when I first entered into the YA world was just that feeling of like, I want to be in the in group of like Mm -hmm. the cool people. It's high school. Yeah. It's it's high high school. school. And it's just, I mean, that's a little bit of a simplification because I think people do this through all stages of life and it's a totally natural (laughs) like survival instinct, you know? Um, So I don't want to like say, I don't want to be dismissive of the experience and say, it's just being young and dumb. Cause it's not, I mean, it's a essential human need to belong and yep, to want to be accepted, fair. but then that gets like exacerbated by the popularity aspects of oh. social media and the experience of being, um, yeah. A public person with other public people and recognizing yeah. like some people are more beloved by <laughs> the crowds than other people. Yeah. And of course you want to be in that group. And so when you like look at a group of people in whatever world you're in, you know, your Darwinian, whatever instinct is like, this is the group I want to be in, be in if I'm going to survive this. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gauntlet of <laughs> being published um that gets confused in your minds with relationship and friendship and um really being known and really being accepted and like you want all those things to be working in harmony together and they don't really and so i know for me there came a time as i progressed through my career and observed myself in a lot of different situations and other people in a lot of different situations, I could see like, okay, here's the people I really want to like, that I really feel kinship with, that I really feel like I could trust, that I feel close to, that make me laugh, that I enjoy being with and and don't exacerbate my insecurities. And those might not be necessarily like everyone who's in the in group at any particular time, but they're the people who like bring out the best in me more than like bring out all my insecurities. Um, But in the beginning, I think you gravitate more toward the things that kind of make you anxious. Mm -hmm. That's a good summary. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to circle back. Yeah. I don't mean to dismiss the experience. I mean, that's, the, that's the case everywhere, right? Like here, mm-hmm. I mean, even in jobs, like career climbing and all that junk, like, I mean, it's, it's even there, it's in the church, it's in, it's everywhere. Um, so going into the debut experience, I had that slughorn desire, um, for being in the in-group and really, really succeeding and making it. And some of that was mixed with just like my desire to do it, not necessarily, um, my desire to make it and, um, be a full-time writer mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of going even to circle back even further, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to continue my full-time writing. Like I, you know, to move away from the job that was helping me be a full-time writer into full-time writing as a job. So yeah, all of that got confused in my mind and I spent a lot of energy on social media, trying to network, like they say, and, you know, have a platform, all that jazz. And that all changed and just disappeared when my dad died a month before my debut release. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Suddenly that drive that I had and that passion. It just all went away. Um, so, you know, I had sold my debut in 2015, I think. So I'd had, you know, 15 to 16. So two years of basically single mindedness of build platform. So book can do great. And then literally a month before I released, I didn't care Mm. about it. Mm -hmm. And it was a giant source of whiplash, not to mention just the feelings of, you know, loss and grief. It was really disorienting because this thing that had been driving me forward for so long for a giant portion of, you know, I mean, not giant portion, it was only two years for two years, um, was suddenly gone. And I was very, um, lost. Um, and so from that time, I really learned who actually cared about me, Mm -hmm. um, and who checked in on me and who cared enough, um, from my publishing friends to continue to check in on me while I was going through that, that grief process and, and trying to figure out who I was. And I mean, it changes everything about how you approach life. And my, you know, my dad died unexpectedly too. It mm-hmm. wasn't expected. And young, yeah. And young. So it really became evident who I really cared about. Um, and who really cared about me. Right. Cause it goes both ways. It's not just like, well, this is a litmus test to see who really yes. cares about me. Yeah. Who really it, cares it, about Dave it, Gunness? It's, yeah, it's like, it's Oh, the who are the people that yeah. are like, sort of, we matter to each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, and some of the people were who I expected and some of them were who I didn't expect at all. And I, I love that. And I still talk to, you know, four or five of these people weekly with whether that's just a text saying, Hey, how's it going? I mean, that's great. So yeah, it's awesome. And the funny thing is, is, um, between 17 and really 2019 were some of the hardest years of my life. And it completely changed my approach to everything. And in, even in that time, my life changed 
like I had 18,000 children. <laughs> I started a full-time job. Um, I, we moved, I mean, there was just all this stuff that changed. So I literally went from right full-time nine to five to, oh, I don't care about creating anymore to when I finally did start to create, which care about creating, which was really at the beginning of 2020. Hmm. It took me, it took me about three years to kind of come back around. Um, my life was completely different. And like the Dave Connors who created in 2015 or 20 before my dad died in 2017 was, was nowhere to be seen. Neither Mm -hmm. were his contexts. Right. So really since then, since I kind of got my creative passion back, it's been completely new rediscovery. And I feel like it changes daily. Mm. Um, how I write, how I create and how I make the time for that. Uh, it's just been a huge rediscovery. And to be honest, um, I've kind of disappeared mostly off of social media. I'm still pretty active on Instagram. Um, well, pretty, I mean, I say that loosely. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. I post a story like once a week. Um, I just, I don't have the capacity, the energy, or even the desire to spend my time and my emotions and my, um, just, just anything that's left of me really at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, I just don't want to put it there. It's not worth it to me. Mm -hmm. Cause for me, you know, I get two hours to write in the morning and I have to wake up at 5am to do that. So yes, it's horrible. It's, but it's what I got. Right. So it's what I do. Um, and then, you know, you go to work nine to five, which I'm super thankful that I have a job still. I mean, I know there are tons of people who didn't make it out of 2020 with a job. I still have one and I'm super thankful for that. But so I go to work and then at five, you go downstairs to the kids. And then by the time you get the kids down at seven, you know, or on, on most days, really seven 30, um, you just don't have any capacity left. Mm-hmm. And I have to be really protective of myself in that way. Mm-hmm. And I know that I, uh, my, my relationship with social media is such that I get all these good ideas. And when they don't work, it gets frustrating. And then I want to do things to the max because I'm like a four wing three. And it's like, (laughs) what if I, it's not just like post a story. It's like, what if I recorded this like video with explosions and fireworks (laughs) and there's like dolphins jumping through circles that are on fire. Um, I'm just not really capable of kind of low key, just like, here's my dinner. Um, <laughs> uh, Frankly, we would love that. We would love to see more of your dinners on your yes, Instagram. Well, I mean, if the people want it, I feel like I've rambled on a lot about this, but I, that's great. It, it all makes sense. And it, and it actually feels like a healthy, um, some things, sometimes things happen to us in life that accelerate our growth in ways we don't really, we would not yeah. have chosen. And, and yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that makes them good. And like, everything is for a reason, but your growth got accelerated for better or worse. And so you're in a place that a lot of people don't get to until they've been at this a lot longer. So I got cynical faster than normal is what you're saying. I would say cynical. (laughs) I think, um, I think you get clarity. Cynical clarity. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I would, (laughs) I would, 
I would agree. And a part of me is really thankful for that because I know, I mean, you have that, I have that piece in my mind that is always going like, well, you let yourself drop way too far from the writing community and now nobody gives a shit about you and nobody cares about you anymore. Um, that's assuming that they did in the first place, but, um, there's almost this feeling of like, I've been out of the, the circle for too long that when I finally get back, everybody's gonna be like, wait, who's this dude? Didn't he have that one book that was like bad and failed? You know what though? That happens to even those of us who stay in the circle the whole time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because cool. new people are well, coming sweet. along. Why not to worry about it's that just anymore? Like, Sarah's are never heard of her. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Sweet. No. I, so like there is that, there is that side of my mind, but there's also, I think there's been a freedom in that, like I can give what I can give, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I have my limits. I'm at this point, I, I'm, I know where they are. Um, I know when to push and when not to push. Um, and there's just, there's been a lot of freedom in that. And I have my days where I like, there are days where I just like, I do have the comparison game. Um, but there are a lot less of them. Um, and there are a lot more days where I'm just like, I get to do this and it's my choice and it's something that I enjoy and it's something that may or may not ever work again. And Mm -hmm. I am okay with that. And I am happy to just show up and show up and show up even when my kids are coming down the stairs at like five 30 and I just sat down with a cup of coffee. Um, the, the showing up for me has been a great lesson in discipline and a great lesson in just continuing and plotting and seeing things change. Um, and I think it is something I will just always do at this point. Yeah. Um, And I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like that kind of wisdom sometimes doesn't come in a whole lifetime of doing this. So there you go. Well, that's good. Well, cool. So (laughs) you're, you're, you're you're done growing. No more growth for you. (laughs) I am done. Sweet. (laughs) Um, There's a question I usually ask most guests about different creative obstacles, but I feel like this whole conversation has covered that in a lot of ways. So I'm going to just ask you the second half of the question I ask everybody, which is what's something you're loving right now, whether that's Mm -hmm. music, a show, a movie, some pop culture thing. I know you clearly like have limited time to consume, (laughs) but is there something you just are loving right now? Uh, So there's a few things. Um, Spotify's daily or the weekly recommendation list mm-hmm. that they make you the discover weekly, the discover weekly. I love that because it's keeping me, it's just like here, here's an IV of music that you'll like Dave. Um, and most of the time it's true. Um, and then again, bring out my pretentious side. I just have been digging New Yorker and Atlantic articles. I just feel like they're, <laughs> they've got some of the best, like, narrative nonfiction Mm -hmm. um, that is coming out and there's just some really good stuff there. And then I've been really enjoying the Bible project. Um, I've been trying to listen to the, those pod uh, podcasts. It's a podcast done by two guys named 
Tim Mackey and John Collins and Tim Mackey is a super smart Bible nerd, but he's also not like a Bible nerd. And I feel like for me, every single freaking podcast episode is like a paradigm shifting. Like I've never thought about the Bible that way, or I've never read that verse that way. Um, I should have given a content warning, content warning. So, uh, (laughs) more Christian shit, (laughs) more Christian stuff. Um, so anyway, the Bible project and then, uh, Makoto Fujimura. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all. I love him. Yeah. Okay. He came out with a book, art and faith that I've been devouring. And then, um, on a more random side, um, cryptocurrency, (laughs) uh, I've been watching it since 2017 and it's oh, been it's a I, show. Uh, no, it's just like an industry. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, that's what I thought you meant. That's what I thought you meant at first. Then you said you've been watching it. I was I've like, been wait, watching it. Yeah. Is this on the, HBO max? <laughs> the industry of cryptocurrency. So like Bitcoin and like all yeah, of that yeah, stuff, yeah. that's uh, the technology is so freaking interesting. And there's so many smart Blockchain. innovations. Blockchain. Like it's just so interesting. The stuff that's happening in that space. And I'm just kind of a nerd in general. So I've been reading I've, a lot I've of tried, like, posts I've had a, about a, that. A few people I know who know a lot about that stuff and are good at talking. I've been like, okay, explain it to me. And every <laughs> attempt has failed. I just glaze over. It's like, I'm back in trade class. It's magic internet money. So, That's, yeah, I'm it's just, just magic internet money. I'll leave it to you. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of been all the things that I've been consuming. Well, you're managing, you're, you're managing to consume quite a bit in your yeah. all things considered that's over the span of a year. So, yeah, um, it's been so good to catch up, Dave. We haven't talked in a long time. Um, no, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. And where can people find out more about you and your books and your music? www.davekonis.com. And I have a newsletter. Um, it goes out on the 30th of every month, except for last month and the month before that. <laughs> other than that, super other consistent. Than, other than that, it goes out on the but 30th. You know what? Of- I think people appreciate that. Because like I was saying in the intro, there's just too much email. And I subscribe to a few newsletters and some of them are really good about sending it every week. And I it, it infuriates me. <laughs> well... You get the opposite side of me. I overpromise and underdeliver. So perfect, perfect. Um, yeah, and that newsletter has a lot of stuff like in that I've just talked about. So if like I'm listening to something or deep diving into random articles, like I'll share that there. So if any, if you're not bored by my discussions in this podcast, then you might like my my newsletter when I send it. That sounds good. I'm going to subscribe so that I can leave it unopened in my inbox for a year. I would do the exact same thing. (laughs) Um, Thanks again, Dave. Thanks for your time. And thank you for the theme music for this creative (laughs) life. And although this week I might use um, the how to save a life song as the theme music. Uh, And oh, thanks. to Yeah. I actually had written out, thanks to Dave Connors for the theme music. <laughs> That's my standard outro. Um, thanks everyone for liking and sharing the podcast. Head on over to this creativelife.substack.com for more or don't, or just never go to that website and just get everything in your feed. And that is perfectly acceptable. Hang in there. Keep staying safe. Uh, I am glad you're here. Sometimes you gotta hurt a little bit. So you can move on
Some through the night have to look around when it's like. 